Hi, this is Taylor Stuber. And this is Sean Smithgall. We are both clinical pharmacists and faculty members at Auburn University Harrison School of Pharmacy, and we are your hosts for the Postgraduate Pharmacist. On the Postgraduate Pharmacist, we focus on preparing and obtaining postgraduate training positions. From current events to expert advice, you'll have up-to-date content related to postgraduate training. New episodes are released every other Monday, so don't forget to like or subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at PG Pharmacist or LinkedIn at the Postgraduate Pharmacist for additional discussions or insights into our topic. By now, everyone has heard that the ASHP mid-year clinical meeting is going to be held virtually for yet another year. We will be holding a two-part series to discuss the implications of this from both a resident or candidate perspective, as well as a residency program perspective. Joining us today to talk about the implications from a candidate perspective, we have Hannah Gibson and Aaron Roundtree. It's great to have you both on the podcast today. We're happy to be here. Thanks for having us. So Hannah and Aaron. We're hoping to ease the stress of candidates that are getting geared up for virtual mid-year. I think it's going to be similar to last year where it's kind of that shock. Uh Uh-oh, it's not it's not going to be in person. It's going to be virtual, maybe a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress out there. So we want to talk about best practices, etiquette, you know, everything in between from two experts that have gone through this very process and may even be thinking about how glad they are that they don't have to go through it again this year. Unless you are. Are you, are you going through it again this year? Maybe for uh, job interviews. Maybe for job interviews. Yeah, but that's... Are you all doing PPS? I'm going to PPS. Oh, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, we, have, we still have to go to inter- <laughs> yeah. the interview side. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but that's different. Then you, you hold all the cards then. I, I want to hear more about you two. Our guests don't know you, don't know anything about you. You all tell us a little bit about yourselves kind of what your experience is with virtual mid-year? Sure. So my name is Hannah Gibson. I'm from Winchester, Tennessee. I went to pharmacy school at undergrad with the University of Tennessee, and I'm a PGY2 critical care resident at Huntsville Hospital. And so I'm kind of interested in academia and trauma emergency medicine. That's kind of where my interests go. Last year, my involvement with virtual mid-year was kind of on the resident side. So I know Erin will introduce herself because she has some different point of views as well. Hey, so my name is Erin Roundtree. I am from Huntsville, Alabama. I did my undergrad and pharmacy school at Samford in Birmingham, and I'm a current PGY1 pharmacy resident at Huntsville Hospital. Um, I'm interested in critical care and emergency medicine as well. Um, And so my only mid-year experience so far has been virtual. And last year was the first time I had attended. I guess just in a nutshell, could y'all describe a little bit more about your experience with a virtual mid-year, maybe from a interviewing standpoint or from a candidate standpoint, and maybe Hannah from the other perspective where you were kind of the one interviewing or listening to people at mid-year? So I'll start from a um, candidate perspective. So I had done some virtual showcases and open houses on some other platforms prior to mid-year. But then I know one thing that made me kind of nervous going into virtual mid-year because I'm not the most tech savvy person. I wasn't really sure what the platform was going to be like and if it was going to be 
easy to navigate the program and things like that. But it turns out it actually was pretty user friendly, I felt like from my end. There were a lot of things that were built into the program that made it easy to figure out what I needed and find where I needed to go and all of that within the virtual platform. Programs were set up kind of different ways within the residency showcase. They had different things in their virtual booths, whether it be an external Zoom or another video conferencing platform they might use. Some of them had pre-recorded videos and messages and things for us to look at. So it was kind of program specific for what their showcase booth looked like, but I felt like it was pretty easy to navigate and find my way around. Sounds a lot easier than normal mid-year. <laughs> I was like running around trying to get all 15 programs timed out, but So as far as like on the opposite side, I had never done anything as far as virtual showcase, that sort of thing. What was your perception of like candidates from your end? Like what were things that made them like memorable or things like that? Because that made me nervous. Yeah. So I had a professor that told us all before we went to mid-year, before I graduated pharmacy school, they said mid-year is a lot about you and a lot about what you've trying to figuring out where your fit is. And so the best thing about mid-year most of the time is not to be remembered because if you usually are remembered, it's probably for something that wasn't good. And so the interviews that I had of people that I remembered were people that were pacing across their bedroom or had like obscure things going on in the background that weren't very professional. And I remembered those people. So I think things of that nature, just making sure your setup is where the resident can hear you, that you're not just hanging out in the booth and don't leave, giving other people a fair share to be able to come and speak and and talk. Because we can all tell, we're all taking turns speaking with people. We can tell who's kind of not leaving our booth or who's maybe not visiting other places. So I think just being respectful of other people's time was a big thing. And then at some point, the resident knows that you can't stay in their booth forever. So just saying like, I think you've answered all my questions, that sort of thing. You can move on and they understand that you have other places to go to. So a big thing I think from a, a candidate's perspective is just kind of becoming prepared anytime you go to mid-year with what what you're looking for in a program and, and kind of scheduling out who all you want to talk to because it is a short amount of time. Now, Aaron, you said something when you first started off. You said open house and showcase. From your experience, what was the difference between an open house and a showcase? So I'm not really big on Twitter, but I sort of started getting on it more last year um, because that was where a lot of information was coming out about the application process. And so I started seeing more and more residency programs were having a social media presence on Twitter. And they started talking about these open houses that they were having sort of October, November timeframe were most of them. And they were usually Zooms or other virtual platforms that they would host usually just on a weeknight. And they might have one or two or some programs had quite a few dates that you could log on in the evening and visit. It was set up differently depending on the program, but a lot of them would have a room with the RPD, a room with some preceptors, a room with residents, and you could kind of bounce around and um, talk to different people with the program. And it was usually a more just casual feel. It might be less candidates depending on where the program is and things like that. It might be a little bit easier to talk to people from the program, not as many candidates um, coming in and out as you have at the bigger showcases like mid-year. So it's just kind of an opportunity to 
go ahead and find out if it's a program that you're interested in continuing to get to know and maybe want to apply to um, where you're not having to take as much time from mid-year or something like that. Um, It just increases the exposure that you have to different programs. So you said you mentioned you found out about these open houses through Twitter. Was there any other ways that you found out about them or different avenues? So there was a spreadsheet last year. I can't remember who started it, but I found it on Twitter. But it was a spreadsheet when we started talking about virtual mid-year and everything that the programs would go in and fill in where to find out about their program and if they were having any of these showcases or anything, like where the best place to talk to them would be. And so there were a lot of programs on there. I have not seen that this year. I don't know if it exists or what, um, but I think more programs have social media now. So I would say just trying to stay tuned to their website and Twitter, Instagram, if they have that is the best place to find out. I don't know about Auburn, but I know Samford, we would get a lot of emails. The RPDs would send emails to one of our faculty members and they would forward it out. So I don't know if y'all do that, but stay tuned to... For students, stay tuned to anything that your school sends out or from your state, like ALSHP, our state organizations, if they send out anything. Yeah, that's what I was going to kind of mention as well, because we sometimes see those through some of our different listservs. So all excellent points. And I would point our listeners back to episode 15. If you haven't developed a social media presence yet, you can hear Madeline Belk back on episode 15 about building a social media presence. So this would be a a great time now more than ever um, when you're thinking about these open houses and virtual mid-year. So I guess from your all's perspective or your perceptions, what would you perceive are the biggest differences between in-person and virtual mid-year? And I know, Aaron, it might not be as feasible for you to answer this question, but Hannah, maybe you could chime in on this a little bit. I guess one thing in particular is you have to take into account that a lot of times you are getting one person's opinion or one personality type. So just something to think about if you don't have the chance to speak to multiple people within a program, that might be a difference as far as time goes. I don't know how short the time was cut off for you guys, but I think that was a big thing with me. I felt like I spent a lot of time at or when mid-year was in person, I spent a lot of time trying to find booths and look for places to go. And I think that's kind of cut some of the panic out. But I think the biggest thing for me that just stays true is kind of just being organized on what questions you really wanted to know from certain programs. And I kind of did that work on the front end to help with that. So I think as a um, candidate, I really would encourage that I had a spreadsheet of the things that I was interested in. And then When I went and talked to those programs, I kind of filled in that sheet. So when I did go to apply, I kind of did that immediately after. So I didn't kind of forget as far as who I kind of was interested in or what things sparked my interest. So differences as far as kind of I know people come across differently in person. It's kind of sometimes a little more awkward as far as conversation goes. But I think just keeping an open mind was something that I definitely had to keep in mind. And I think being organized and being prepared is super important. I don't know, maybe even more important when it's virtual because everything is amplified when you're virtual. So if you do awkward things on the camera or whatever, 
it seems like it's just even more like magnified when you're talking to people. And so just knowing what questions you want to ask and being very specific in the conversations and things you have is helpful, but doing your homework ahead of time to know what programs you want to talk to and having looked at their website is very helpful. So, you know, like what rotations they have and what the staffing is like and project expectations and anything that you can get on the website that you don't have to ask about in person is super helpful because it just eliminates a lot of those questions that I would imagine programs probably don't like answering when it's on their website. So just being prepared ahead of time. So you can ask really specific questions about like, tell me more about this specific rotation I saw or things like that. And I think as someone that was on the other side too, when candidates would mention things of their interest, it kind of helped us. We could guide them to other um, residents' rooms. So if someone's like, oh, I'm really interested in the critical care realm, or I'm really interested in informatics, we could say, oh, well, we have this resident that's really involved in this. You might want to speak to them and we could help guide them to a booth. Because I know in person interviews, it was a little bit easier to just drag you to the other person hanging out or to find their them based on their name tag or that sort of thing. But you kind of, when you introduce yourself, make sure you let the, the group know that what you're interested in, that sort of thing. And they can kind of help tailor things to meet your needs. So was that Hannah, you, men, you mentioned in that they, you had these specialized rooms. Is that kind of the perception you got from most programs, Aaron, was that they had some sort of like segmented to these kind of these breakout rooms to these distinguished headings like this is these are our residents who did this. These are RPDs and, and able to kind of shift you around. Yeah, I would say there is usually an RPD room, uh, sometimes a preceptor room and then variations of the resident rooms, whether it was PGY1s and PGY2s or just different groups of residents sitting in different places. But I would say usually the breakout rooms were the most common thing I saw. And then we would have candidates top in like, hello, this is my name. I'm interested in this. So you can already kind of do an introduction before I kind of selected you and invited you into my breakout room. Hmm. So some people would do that. They would put their interest by their name. And so we kind of knew how to filter who was a good person to talk to that candidate. Was that something they did before they entered into these uh, showcase rooms? Or is that something they did when they like signed on to the, the program that was used? They did it when they signed on to our particular so when they signed on to Huntsville Hospital, for example's page, it was like, I'm interested. Yeah. This is my name. I'm interested in this. And we could kind of filter it. I don't know if you had to do anything on the... A lot of programs, you probably... I guess we went into a main room and it would be a resident or maybe a preceptor. And we'd kind of introduce ourselves and they would say, okay, well, I'm going to send you to the preceptor room or I'm going to send you to the resident room. So I guess there was usually sort of a triage room, I guess. And then they would divide you up from there. Well, we're having a lot of great discussion and I hate to interrupt and kind of switch subjects, but it's really important that we make time for our trivia segment, everybody's favorite portion of our show. So my question this week actually comes from Aaron and Hannah. You know how Huntsville Hospital sends out the get to know get to know the residents, meet the residents where you answer all those great questions. And so Hannah, you answered one of your questions about what your spirit animal was. And you said it was an average house cat. So wanted to point that out. And then 
Aaron, you answered one of your questions. One of your fun facts was that you joined a volunteer fire department when you were 16. And so I'm sure you've had to rescue a lot of cats or I could imagine. (laughs) So my question, if you didn't get the sense is about cats. So we as humans and have five basic tastes. We have, we're able to taste sweet, salty, sour, bitter, and then umami, which is a savory or meaty flavor. Cats are actually lacking in the taste bud department. And there's one of these tastes that they really are not able to sense. And so which of those tastes are cats not able to sense? Well, fun fact, I'm allergic to cats. (laughs) Me too! (laughs) But I do think they're my spirit animal. I would, I'm going to guess sweet. Okay, Aaron, what do you say? I say sour. Sean? I knew I know this one because it deals with the type of food you have to be careful of because if they eat this type of food, they don't they can't taste this food. So they don't know it's like poisonous or something like that. I thought it was um, sweet, salty, sour, umami. What was that last one? Bitter. bitter. I don't think they can taste bitter things. Well, y'all should have listened to the average house cat herself. <laughs> in spirit, at least. But they cannot taste sweet. So they are lacking the taste, but it just tastes sweet. So if you try to give them something sweet, they won't be rewarded like we are as humans. So, But you think about like dogs, you hear the pup cups or the, mm-hmm. you know, the Starbucks, yeah. whatever they hand out at the Dairy Queen or whatever they have in Alabama. But they don't <laughs> do that for your cat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would be pointless to get your cat a pup cup. <laughs> all right so this one's a little bit of a tough subject for me it's it's something you all stole from us here in mobile back in like 2018 2019 i I can't remember the date we used to have a uh, the bay city bears which was our minor league baseball team here in mobile alabama the team was since stolen right out from under us and uh, moved to huntsville and they were supposed to start their inaugural season on April 9th, 2020, but that got postponed due to COVID. So what was the name? Huntsville voted on this name. So what was the name of the minor league baseball team that used to be the Bay City Bears? The name of the the Rocket City Trash Pandas. <laughs> so fun fact, I actually uh, voted on this name and I voted for the Trash Pandas name <laughs> in every segment of the of the voting, which is actually a raccoon. So <laughs> I, I like to feel that I had a had a role in the naming of this team, but uh-huh. I have some of their memorabilia. <laughs> Such a clever name. Well, I just remember I loved the name because as a kid, we would go like camping. Yeah. We'd always have like raccoons in our garbage cans. <laughs> and when I came here, I was like, that's perfect name. Because <laughs> they're still cute, but they make a mess. The logo is a raccoon in a trash can <laughs> flying like a rocket. Did you uh, did you vote on the drawing too, Taylor? No, I did not. <laughs> it was just the name. It's fitting of Rocket City. Exactly. Alabama. It makes sense. Makes perfect sense. So back to our discussion about virtual mid-year. So y'all have mentioned multiple times already that preparation is key. So how should candidates approach preparing for virtual mid-year, what types of things should they be doing and when should they start doing those things? 
I would say start going through the programs that you think you might be interested in now. Like if you know that you're staying in a, or you want to stay in a specific region or a specific city, or if you know that you're open to going across the country, whatever that looks like for you, ACCP and ASHP all have residency directories that you can go through and you can filter programs by location, state. There's all different ways that you can look at programs to help you start getting an idea of programs you might be interested in and then looking at their website in more detail, go into any uh, open houses or showcases they may have, maybe go into another state's uh, virtual showcase if you can. But start figuring out what programs you're interested in now. And I would start looking at that now if you're open to a, a lot of programs and then have just very specific um, questions and things for the programs going into mid-year but know what are priorities to you when you're looking for programs like if there's specific interests you have specific rotations just know what's going to be your most important things and your deal breakers and all of that in looking at programs just so that you don't feel as flustered at mid-year when you're trying to ask questions and programs are asking you questions and all of that. Yeah, because as someone that wasn't geographically limited, it can be overwhelming because there are so many programs. And I think a big thing for me is I had a list of kind of what I'd set were my kind of professional things I wanted to look for as well as like personal things I wanted to look for. So if I wanted to make sure I wasn't the only resident, maybe that might be kind of more of like something personality wise, but maybe I wanted to see that they had a PGY2 opportunity in, you know, XYZ. So that was maybe more of like my professional side of things, or I wanted, if it's a, a location, that sort of thing. So I would definitely as early as possible. It's just such a long list to go mm-hmm. through and it's kind of a little bit hard to narrow down, but I had this massive spreadsheet but I was very thankful when it came time to narrowing down where you all do you pay to apply to. And then one thing before showcase, I had sort of a um, list of programs that I knew I needed to talk to at that showcase on that day. And then I had maybe programs that I had already talked to. So it would be nice if I got to talk to them again, but I knew I had already talked to them somewhere else or I would be able to at another showcase or something like that. Um, And then I had programs that I was like, it would be great to learn more about, you know, if I have time, I'd love to stop by the booth. So kind of making sure that you know which programs you have to be at at certain days is helpful for time management and everything. Sure. I'd say definitely triage that because if you already know a program, it's not going to add on points to you as far as interviews are being accepted based on if you stop by their booth or not. So if you already kind of know about them enough, I might push them, like Erin says, a little down further on my line to see places that you might not know about at all. Hannah, Taylor, you, you probably remember this, the in-person massive people at the front doors, doors open, they sprint to their favorite program at the at the live mid-year. And so you lose that with the virtual, but live mid-year, you had these giant amoebas around some of the booths. So in a virtual environment, there's no physical space limitation. How do programs handle 
having too many candidates trying to get into the room at the same time. And you might have, you all might have said this, but how did how did programs handle candidate load or the number of candidates uh, accessing a program? Was there queues? Did you have to wait to be able to get into a program to talk to them? Was there like times that it would tell you like you have this much time left before you can get in? Like, did you have to manage that any? Honestly, I don't really remember if there was something about like the booth is full or anything like that. I don't really remember not being able to get into a booth. It may just be that there were a lot of candidates in the booth once you got there, um, which made it kind of hard. You couldn't always kind of say bye and thank you before you left or something like that. I think that's where sometimes if you're able to do smaller showcases and look at the programs there, like the state showcases or if they have individual ones, you might be more likely to talk kind of one-on-one. It kind of just depended on how many rooms they had and how many people they had available, I guess, for how much you got to talk with them directly. So we never really turned anyone down as far as, so our RPD was kind of the triage person. When they came to him, he sent them to our different breakout rooms or individual breakout rooms. And then we had our breakout room broke out into a breakout room. So the PGY1s, we could see the filter of list of people that would pop up and I would just click on their name based on a lot of times we would try to pick people based on similar interest or if whoever became up in the booth first, that sort of thing. We just made sure we were clicking on them and then See either if we had someone we wanted them to speak to, sending them to that person or telling them to try to reach out to that person, or we would message that person to reach out to them. But we never really had to turn anyone down. It was just more of getting through the candidates. And I think that's just something to think about because sometimes I can get carried away and want to talk to someone for it forever, but there are other people in line. And then there was some people that would just hang out in our booth only for hours and we recognize that as well. So it's just something to be considerate of other people is something to think about as well. But I don't think we ever really had to turn anyone down. So there's there was no stop gate before you could enter a room. You could just click on a room, go in a room. And then you but it sounds like for the individual rooms, Hannah, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you you could allow people into your room one at a time or two at a time or three at a time. So you weren't overwhelmed with that. Sure. So I usually would only have one person at a time that was talking to me, which is different than mid-year in person. Like you said, you can kind of congregate and bounce bounce off of each other. But how ours was set up, and I don't know if different programs set up with multiple residents, but we all were by ourselves. So I just had one-on-one. So someone was sent to me. They talked to me about, if, especially if they knew that I'd early committed to critical care at that point. They would talk to me about critical care. And then if they had an informatics interest or an ID interest, that sort of thing, I would send them to someone else's breakout room. But we would just, once someone left my room, I'd pick up someone else. And I just constantly kept filtering people through my room. I think all these are excellent points. And I think it really will help our listeners kind of get a sense of what they can expect. So I think it's really valuable to hear it from both your all's perspectives. But you kind of alluded a little bit to this in your last statement, Hannah, talking about you know how people were staying in, in rooms forever. But I kind of want to talk about proper virtual mid-year etiquette, if you will, and attending a virtual showcase. So not, not just mid-year, but other regional showcases. So can you just talk a little bit about the proper etiquette, maybe how long they should stay in a room, how they should approach communicating with you all, et cetera? Sure. So I think a big thing was just being 
obviously professional as much as possible, just making sure there wasn't distracting things going on in the background, whether that was animals or I don't plants. I don't know. There was just some, a lot going on in some people's backgrounds that were very distracting, but just, I think sitting down and being professional as possible, having your setup and treating it like an interview, because I think that's something that people notice as far as that goes. I usually had a list of questions when I went that I really wanted to know about. So I say I'd limit it to your top three or four questions. And, you know, if conversation, you know, inspires other things, that's fine. But I think I wouldn't, I didn't, if anyone was staying in my booth more than like seven minutes, it was kind of like, you've been in here a little too long. (laughs) Get out of here and quit pacing back and forth and sit down. But it was just, I think a big thing is like, you know, being yourself, but at the same time, it, it still is kind of an interview in a sense. So I think being respectful and like you said, doing your homework, you know, kind of like Aaron was saying, when we repeat the same question over and over that you could have probably looked it up. It's not benefiting you at all because you could have seen that beforehand. But I would answer it very happily if you <laughs> asked me that question. <laughs> And I think another thing, too, is when you if you're hanging out in one booth, you're missing out opportunities to be in other booths. So I think, you know, if you get in, see one booth, that has got a lot of people in it. Maybe move on and come back. Erin, anything to add? Well, I was just going to say from my perspective with my little setup um, that I had going on, Hannah mentioned treating um, treating it like an interview and everything. So. I had a designated um, room in my house that I did this at and I had a whole like table set up and I was able to have my notes and a glass of water and I had a external like microphone that I could plug into my computer so it was easy to um, hear and I had a ring light because I didn't have the best overhead lighting in there. Like I went too far. I, d- I did a little too much with that. Um, but I, it helped me feel better going into the process, knowing that I had prepared the best I could on my end. You're going to have technology issues, things like that, like stuff's going to happen, but I had tried to prepare as best I could on my end. And of course, like dressing professionally and all of that, and just really trying to remember what you're doing and looking professionally and doing all of that, I think is helpful. So you weren't pacing in your in your house during mid-year? Personally, I did not. I did. I took advantage of breaks, like in between programs and stuff, like get up and stretch and all of that. But uh, no, try to be still when you're talking to people. <laughs> I was just going to say, that's one nice thing about virtual is like, because when you're, when you're at mid-year in person and you walked away from a booth, you're like, they can still see me. They can still see me. So you had to like, for you just to take a break and write stuff down or do something, you're like, I have to get far far enough away from that program. So they're not like staring at me (laughs) and what I'm doing next. And then it's what another thing that's so awkward is you, you'd be like talking to a program, you'd be having a good time and then you'd leave and you'd realize your next program you're going to talk to is literally like the next booth next door. And you're like, oh, they're going to see me really enjoying my time over here (laughs) at a competing program. This is awkward. And, uh, and, and so you don't have to deal with that. That's really nice. Yeah. And I, I like how you mentioned with the equipment, investing a little bit of money in that. I know, I think you can get some of that stuff on Amazon pretty inexpensive and we've talked on other episodes about you know having a good setup 
And that'll actually help going into interviews. I'm sure you had a similar setup going into actual virtual interviews as you did during mid-year so you can get good practice with that. So all good things. Well, this is just a random thought, but I remember at mid-year in person, there was a lot of like business cards handing out and like a lot of information that you're carrying around. You're scribbling notes down on like the side of booths or on the ground or wherever but I think one thing that if you really do have a call, let's say you have a conversation with a resident and you feel like you really did um, have a good connection or something that they said really interests you and you maybe even want to learn more about it. Just get a lot of times we offered our contact information. So I would say, here's my email. You know, I understand you you know, might need to move on to another booth, that sort of thing. So I don't think that's inappropriate to ask for if you want to maybe even get their name. I used a pe- some people's names, even in some of my um, letters of intent, that sort of thing. I, t- I spoke to this resident about this, and this is why I was interested in your program. So I think that's another thing you can think about too, is asking for emails or remembering who you spoke with might be something beneficial if you did think of something later that you wanted to ask or reach out about. So it sounds like it's if that's not offered up, it's perfectly fine for the candidate to then request. I have to run, but do you mind if I get your email in case I have a follow-up question? They could ask you that. And then one other follow-up question I want to ask you, Aaron, specifically having gone through it as a candidate, uh, when you entered a room and it was packed full, it sounds like from what you were saying earlier, you can just jump out and maybe come back later and no one's going to say anything or think anything because it's like, clearly this one's too full. Let me, let me try it a later time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, sometimes if there were a lot of people um, in a room or a lot of people talking, I didn't really want to just leave without saying anything and just disappear. I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't have noticed, but Sometimes I would send a direct message to whoever was in the room and just be like, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed learning about your program or whatever. Just sort of thank you, goodbye. Whether they saw it or not, I don't know. But it just made me feel better to at least try to have a little bit of closure before I just disappeared out of the room. Oh, yeah. I think uh, just from our meetings, too, as as in our careers, using the chat function to leave a meeting is very socially acceptable now to say like, hey, I'm heading out, I'm going somewhere else, or hey, thanks for your time. So I think that's a good use of that. One more question. Any last minute advice or tips for prospective candidates going through virtual mid-year this year? I would say it's nerve wracking for everybody involved. It's not as new as it was last year, but it's still new. And so doing your homework and being prepared, doing everything you can on your end to feel ready going into the process is helpful. Any stress you can alleviate. Um, and starting now, if you haven't already, just trying to spread that stuff out because it does take time, depending on how many programs you're looking at, to really go through them and give it the attention that it deserves. So starting now and just being prepared, I feel like is the best thing I can say. So Aaron, I do have a question. Did it give you, I know previously it kind of gave us a map of where the different booths were. How did you know what, how to find certain programs? I don't remember. <laughs> sorry. I, <laughs> no, sorry. I, I honestly, I don't remember. Somehow I feel like there was a schedule because I think there were three blocks of show, like residency showcase. I feel like it was one on Monday and two on Tuesday, maybe something like that. Don't Sounds about me. right. But somewhere there's a schedule that said what programs were going to be on what days and like at what times and all of that. 
And so whenever we got that schedule, I just mapped out each day, like which programs I needed to talk to and which ones I wanted to go to kind of in order and had the questions with that. So it comes out in plenty of time, but there's a schedule somewhere. You'll know. But it is something that you make a point about is that you definitely, if you can prepare who all you want to talk to, then you decide who you're going to talk to on what day. So that's why we kind of say, go ahead and and start thinking about that so you can plan. Yeah, for sure. Well, Erin and Hannah, thank you so much for being guests on the Postgraduate Pharmacist today. And thank you for all of your valuable insight. Thank you for having us. If you want to continue to hear up-to-date topics from us and our guests, please like and subscribe. Remember, you can listen to us on your favorite podcasting app and don't forget to check out the show notes in this episode for more insights into our episode and links to all the things we've mentioned. We want to give a special shout out to our new interns for the next year. That's Bailey Kyle, Caroline Jackson, Hannah Lambert, Holly Wiggin, Madeline Harder, and Vindya Bassetti. So special thanks to them for helping us out, helping make this show better every day.